welcome, and thank you for joining us here on Doctrinal Studies with Dr. Tab. For those of you who don't know, Dr. M. H. Tab was born into God's family almost 56 years ago by the wonderful grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He then served as a Christian school principal, Bible Institute teacher, administrator, and assistant pastor. In 1980, God then called Dr. Tab to establish Gulf Coast Baptist Church, where he pastored for 40 years. He continues his service now as the founder of Gulf Coast Bible Institute, preacher, and author of over 46 doctrinal books. Let us now open our Bibles together with Dr. Tab as our guide and rightly divide the word of truth here on Doctrinal Studies with Dr. Tab. Now today, we're going to consider the subject to the book of the law. Jesus said the whole Bible's about him. He said in Hebrews 10, verse 7, the volume of the book, it is written of me. He said all the writings of the law, all the writings of the prophets were about him. Luke 24, verse 27, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expanded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Everything in that book is about Jesus. He told his disciples in Luke 24, verse 44, he said that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. That pretty well covers the entire Old Testament, which is all that was written when he was here on the earth, that is the law the prophets, and the Psalms. Then the Word of God is a unified whole, and it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It cannot be divided. Jesus said in John 10, 35, the Scripture cannot be broken. Psalm 119, verse 1, he said, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Psalm 119, I'm sure you know, refers to the entire Bible. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's about the Word of God. Uh, just as Jesus, uh, in the previous verses we mentioned, referred to the entire Bible. Now, modern-day Christians, they'll think uh, that our Christian liberty negates the law. That is not so. Paul says we're to stand fast in the liberty and not be entangled with the yoke of bondage in Galatians 5, verse 1. This uh, no-law crowd takes that to mean that we have no relationship to the law whatsoever. But Psalm 119, verses 44 and 45 tells uh, God's children to keep thy law continually and walk in liberty. Both words. We're in liberty in Galatians. Uh, and we're to walk in the law continually as we walk in liberty. Both, both things said at the same time. Our liberty is the freedom to do right. It's, uh, it's, it's not liberty to live lawlessly as we did in our unsafe condition. Paul reminds us of that in Ephesians 2, verses 2 and 3, where he says this, In time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. In other words, before we got saved, we were completely lawless. Paul reaffirmed the law that so many Christians snub at these days. He confessed that he believed all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, Acts 24, verse 14. Years after he got saved, he said that. Uh, and those were the things that Jesus spoke of in the verses we've already mentioned. So Paul was not without law to God, he said, but under the law to Christ in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 21. In Exodus 24, verses 1 through 8, and we're not going to take time to read, read all of that, but <clears throat> Moses wrote, 
wrote, says Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and he wrote them in a book, and he called it the Book of the Covenant, and he read it in the audience of the people. Now, we're going to trace this Book of the Covenant through the Scriptures. Uh, its first mention is in Exodus 17, verse 14. The Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. So, this book was begun by Moses. He called it the Book of the Covenant, and he sprinkled it with blood at its inception. Hebrews 9, verse 19 says this, For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people. Now notice that God said the book, not the iPad. Moses sprinkled the book upon the altar. Exodus 24 verse 6 representing Calvary and on the book and on the people. All blood sprinkled items were set apart purged with blood. Hebrews 9 verse 22 says, and sanctified unto the Lord. 1 Peter 1 verse 2, that is they were made holy. They were purged by the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. Exodus 24 verse 8. Now, God added to that book all along the way. Moses started, God added to it. Exodus 34 verse 27, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write thou these words, for after the tenor of these words I have made a covenant with thee and with Israel. Uh, so the book was begun in the first three months of Israel's wilderness journey, and it continued to be developed by Moses until the last quarter of the 40th year in the wilderness. Numbers 33, verses 1 and 2. These are the journeys of the children of Israel under the hand of Moses and Aaron, and Moses wrote their goings out according to their journeys by the commandment of the Lord. Throughout the 40 years, he's writing into this book. Deuteronomy 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. He says, these, talking about the things that are written down, these be the words that Moses spake unto all Israel on this side Jordan in the wilderness. And it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel according to, unto all that the Lord had given him in commandment unto them. Now, there, there's no greater nation than the one that has God's laws. Deuteronomy 4, verse 8, And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as in all this law? And just in passing, let me say, only two nations have ever been founded by God. That was Israel, founded on the Word of God there, and the United States of America, founded on the Word of God, as our forefathers uh, made very clear. Now, since Israel's out of sorts with God today, Romans 11:25 tells you that, then what nation is now fulfilling that place? It's the church. Matthew 21, verse 43. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. It's called a nation. All right, then in this dispensation of the church age, the Gentile church is the keeper of the book. Even in the book's infancy, uh, God gave a severe warning about not accepting it exactly as it is. Deuteronomy 4, verse 2. He commanded not to add to nor subtract from the words in the book. He warned people who uh, think the words of the book don't apply to them in Deuteronomy 29, verses 18 through 21, as a lot of Christians do today. Instead of rightly dividing, they rightly chop up the word. He said when someone hears negative words from the book and says they don't apply to him, verse 19 of Deuteronomy 29, then God won't spare that person, verse 20. The judgment God pronounces over those who reject his book, verse 21 there in Deuteronomy 29, is similar to Paul's judgment of an immoral church member in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 5. All right, now let's continue our history of the development of the book. <clears throat> 
It was to be kept by a Levite priest, and a copy was to be given to the king. Deuteronomy 31, verse 9, And Moses wrote the law and delivered it unto the priests, the sons of Levi. Deuteronomy 17, verses 18 and 19, And it shall be when he, talking about the king, they didn't have it at that point in time, but later on, it shall be when he setteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests, the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. Now notice that the king was to read from the book every day of his life. Well, that'd be good for us to do. Every Christian start their day with the word of God. Moses had the book placed inside the ark, Deuteronomy 31, verses 24 to 26, put there as a witness against the people. <clears throat> and the book was to be read at the Feast of Tabernacles in each sabbatic year. Every word was to be read uh, to the people together, men, women, and children. And the purpose of the reading, according to Deuteronomy 31, verses 12 and 13, was that they may, number one, hear, and that they may, number two, learn, and three, fear the Lord their God, and four, observe all, to do all the words of this law. And he goes on in the next verse, and in Deuteronomy 21, I mean 31, verses 12 and 13, and that, number five, their children, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the word of your uh, fear the Lord your God. So the book came into Joshua's custody after Moses' death. Joshua 1, verses 1 and 2, verses 7 and 8. And God told Joshua in verse 8 of that chapter, <clears throat> he told him to observe to do according to all that is written therein. If he wanted God to prosper him and give him good success. And by the way, Joshua 1.8 is the only place in the Bible where the word success is found. And it ties success, our spiritual success, directly into our relationship with God's book. Now, a copy of the book was inscribed in the rocks of Mount Ebal. Too bad they've never been found by an archaeologist. In Joshua 8, verse 30 and 30 through 35, and after Joshua wrote the words of the book on the stones, the Bible says he read all the words of the law according to all that was written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded which Joshua read not before all the congregation, verses 34 and 35 in that chapter. So it sounds like Jesus' command to read every word in the book, Matthew 4, verse 4, was what was going on in Joshua's day every word in the book that he had up to that point in time. All of Moses' words encompass far more than just the Ten Commandments. And he said he wrote, read, uh, there wasn't a word that he left out. Now, Joshua wrote more words in the book of the law of Moses, Joshua 8, verse 31. And Joshua 24, verse 26 says he wrote, all, wrote words in the book of the law of God. He's still writing throughout his lifetime. A few hundred years later in Acts uh, 13, verse 20, Samuel added to the book, according to Acts 13, verse 20, not in Acts, but according to that. Uh, he wrote words dealing with the kingdom, 1 Samuel 10, verse 25. He wrote them in a book and laid it up before the Lord, the Bible says. So over 500 years after it was begun, uh, Joshua has written in it, Samuel has written in it, and now uh, David uh, writes in it and charged Solomon regarding that book. He told his son in 1 Kings 2, verses 1 and 3, to 
keep the charge of the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. Same charge that was given to Joshua years earlier. So David spoke of the law of Moses in the present tense. It is written, he said, uh, even though David lived uh, several hundred years after Moses penned those words. And after all, the book is alive. It's eternal. Hebrews 4.12, Psalm 119, verse 89. So again, as God told Joshua in Joshua 1, verse 8, we're told that applying and doing the words written in the law of Moses will bring prosperity in all that we do. James in the New Testament gives us the same promise. James 1, verse 21 and verse 25. We're to obey that word of God. Exodus 24, verses 3 through 7. And Moses came and told of the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. And he took the book of the covenant and read it in the audience of the people. Now, so far, <clears throat> we have traced the book from Moses to Joshua to Samuel and David. A hundred or so years after David died, we find King Jehoshaphat sending out the Levites and the priests to uh, teach the book, 2 Chronicles 17, verses 7 through, 7 through 9. And it says, And they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them and went about throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. They had the book in their hand. Now, obviously, the book they had was not the original book that Moses penned, but rather and they had copies of copies of copies, just like we have today. Uh, even so, those copies were still Scripture. 1 Timothy 3.16. The law of Moses, Joshua 8.31 is the law of the Lord. 2 Chronicles 17 verse 9. Now, three kings later, we come to King Josiah. A, a, book, a copy of the book was given to him, 2 Chronicles 23, verse 11. Remember, it was to be given to all, all Israel's kings, according to Deuteronomy 17, verses 18 and 19. Now, when it was given to Joash, the uh, book was called The Testimony. That's what God called it when he told Moses to put it in the ark in Exodus 25, verse 16. So the ark was called the ark of the testimony, Exodus 25, verse 22. Now, by Joash's day, it was still the same book, but it had been added to all along the way. Joash got murdered by his servants in Second uh, Kings 12, verse 21. And when his son Amaziah ascended the throne, he avenged his father's death by the book, according to Second Chronicles 25, verses 3 and 4, compared with Deuteronomy 24, verse 16. So again, the book is noted in the present tense as it is written in the law of the book, Second Chronicles 25, verse 4. Now, four kings later, we come to Hezekiah. Uh, he kept the Passover by the book, according to 2 Chronicles 30, verse 5, verses 18 and 19. Hezekiah ordered the Passover as it was written and according to the book. So during Hezekiah's reign, centuries after the book was begun, it was still being followed to the letter by divine counsel from God. After Samaria fell <clears throat> to uh, the Assyrian captivity, Northern Kingdom, Samaria. The book was uh, still being attributed solely to God, 2 Kings 17, verses 36 through 38. In fact, those verses tell us that the words written down by Moses were actually written by God in verse 38 of 2 Kings 17. Uh, that's called inspiration of God in 2 Timothy 3, 16. 
And it's, it's when holy men of God are moved by the Holy Ghost to write down God's words, according to 2 Peter 1, verse uh, 21. Now, in 2 Kings 17, verses 37 38, we read this. And the statutes and the ordinances and the law and the commandment, which he, the Lord, verse 36 of that chapter, wrote for you, ye shall observe to do for uh, evermore, and ye shall not fear other gods, and the covenant that I have made with you, ye shall not forget, neither shall ye fear other gods. So again, we're told that God wrote the words in the book. Inspiration of God, and he used men to pin them down, but they're the words of God coming from him through those men. Now, the prophet Nahum added to the book, Nahum 1 verse 1. The book was still being followed as divine Three kings after Hezekiah in Josiah's reign, 2 Kings 22, the high priest Hilkiah found the book laying in the temple collecting dust in verse 8 of that chapter. And then all the words of the book were read to King Josiah in verses 10 and 16 of 2 Kings 22. The king was, uh, he, when he heard those words, he became very repentant. Uh, the words of God from the book. And so God showed him grace, verses 16 through 20 in that chapter. Josiah went, the, went by the book, Second Chronicles 35, verse 12. And that verse shows that the book was still at present tense in Josiah's day as it is, present tense, written in the book of Moses. Now all this teaches us that the complete preservation of Scripture was from the hand of God through these men. It teaches that the words of the book never lose their authority and their power even after centuries have passed. They are eternally kept by God, Psalm 12, verses 6 and 7, those words that have been penned in that book and added to through the centuries. Jeremiah had the book, Jeremiah 15, verse 16. <coughs> in Isaiah's day, over 250 years after the death of David and some 700 years after Moses penned the book's first words, the book was sealed to understand standing because of Israel's infidelity to God. You can read that in Isaiah 29 verses 11 through 14. Uh, Daniel understood the Babylonian captivity of Israel because he read what Jeremiah had written in the book according to Daniel 9 verse 2 compared with Jeremiah 25 verses 11 12. Uh, during the captivities Daniel himself added to the book Daniel 12 verse 4. At the end of the Babylonian captivity, after Persia had uh, captured Babylon, uh, Israel was still following the book, according to Esther chapter 3, verse 8. Uh, Haman told uh, King Ahasuerus that the Jews, uh, the laws of the Jews coming from Moses are, again present tense, diverse from all people. In fact, Esther 9, verse 32 tells us that the matters concerning Esther and Mordecai were written in the book. After the Babylonian captivity, Ezra and his people still had the book, Ezra 3, verse 2. And they reinstituted the sacrificial system as it is written in the law of Moses, still present tense after centuries of use. So the book of Ezra brings out so much about the people still following the book after returning to Jerusalem following the captivities. They ordered the priesthood for the service of God as it is written in the book uh, of Moses, Ezra 6, verse 18. Ezra himself was a ready scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord uh, God uh, of Israel had given. Uh, chapter 7, verse 6 of Ezra. Ezra prepared his heart to seek the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Chapter 7, verse 10, which of course he got out of that book. The Persian king Artaxerxes had given Ezra a letter of introduction when he went to Jerusalem. And in that letter, he stated that Ezra was sent of the king to inquire concerning Judah and Jerusalem according to 
the law of thy God, which is in thine hand. Chapter 7, verse 14 of Ezra. Just as we Christians today have the law of God in our hand. Ezra had the book in his hand. Uh, Ezra helped in the continuing preservation of the book. He called himself the scribe of the law of, of the God of heaven. Chapter 7, verse 21. A scribe is the one who copied out the words of God copied out the book and made a copy of it. Uh, heaven, heaven is where that law is forever settled, Psalm 119, verse 80, 80, 89. It wasn't forever settled back in, in Ezra's day, but it was headed in that direction because it wasn't complete in his day. Now, again, in Ezra 7, verse 25, uh, the book is said to be in Ezra's hand, and there the book is called The Wisdom of Thy God. And uh, who would argue that the Word of God is not a, a book of wisdom? The law of God is the book of God, and the book of God is the wisdom of God, and that book is in thine hand. Now, after Ezra had prayed and called for repentance among uh, the people, he encouraged them to make a covenant with God according to the counsel of those that tremble at the commandment of our God, and let it be done according to the law, chapter 10, verse 3 says. Now, as Paul put it, we must strive lawfully. That is according to the law that is written, 2 Timothy 2, verse 5, and, that we have, and the law that we have in our hand. Now, since mostly out of sin Christians think the law of God has no bearing on their lives at all, they don't realize they are con in discounting the entire word of God, for the book is his law word. Now, I realize this podcast is going over time a little bit. Just bear with me a few more minutes, and we'll wrap this subject up. Now, Nehemiah had the book over a thousand years after Moses penned its first words, and Nehemiah reminded God that God's people had not kept the commandments which thou commandest thy servant Moses, chapter 1, verse 7. He called those commandments the word, chapter 1, verse, verse 8. So, they read in the book that Moses had written, and they did what it said, Nehemiah 8, verse 8. They kept the feast as God had commanded by Moses, chapter 8, verse 14. Nehemiah daily read in the book of the law of God, Nehemiah 8, verse 18. He led the people to make a covenant to keep the law, to observe, to do all the commandments of the Lord, Nehemiah 10, verses 28 and 29. Now, Jesus read from the book. 1,500 years after it was begun, Luke 4, verses 17 through 20. He preached the resurrection from the book, Mark 12, verse 26. And by the way, he's preaching that out of Old Testament Scripture uh, because the New Testament wasn't written at that point. John was told by Christ to write in the book, Revelation 1, verse 11. Now, how do we know it's the same book? Well, does the book in our hand that contains what John wrote also have what God told Moses to write? Does it have what God told Joshua and Samuel and Jeremiah and so on to write, to add to it? If the answer is yes, then it's the same book that was begun by Moses. Now remember, Ezra had God's book in his hand also, just like we have today. The book will still be around during the Great Tribulation, 3,500 years after it was begun by Moses, Revelation 5, verse 9. Uh, remember, Daniel was told to seal his portion of the book, Daniel 12, verse 4, until the time of the end, but his portion has been opened by the Apostle John's portion in Revelation. Around 96 AD, John warned about tampering with the words of the book, including his contribution to it. Uh, his contribution, of course, from the book of Revelation is the last book in the book. Revelation 22, verse 19, you'll find those warnings. All through the Bible... 
the whole Bible, all the words of the book are the words of God, Revelation 17, verse 17. And the very one uh, of those words uh, is forever settled in heaven, Psalm 119, verse 89. And everyone, not every one of those words, I'm sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied here trying to hurry up. Every one of those words uh, should be read by every child of God, Matthew 4, verse 4. The word that is forever settled is the whole Bible, and it's the law uh, uh, through Throughout both testaments. For example, Jesus referred to the word that is written in their law, John 15, 25. He was quoting Psalm 69, verse 4, quoting David, not Moses, and called it their law. Uh, David lived several hundred years after Moses, and yet in John 10, 34, Jesus said the Psalms were part of the law. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 21, Paul said Isaiah was part of the law. Isaiah lived a few hundred more years after Moses. Are you getting the picture? The whole book is the law of God. Moses began the book, others added to it over the next 1,600 years, and now we today have the whole book in our hands. God has indeed provided some better thing for us, Hebrews 11, verse 40. The word of God we hold in our hand is better than a voice from heaven, according to 2 Peter 1, verse 19. We cannot know God by the wisdom of this world. 1 Corinthians 1, 11 tells you that. Only by the book can we know him. We have to read in the book as Nehemiah did, Nehemiah 13 verse 1, as Barak did, Jeremiah 36 verse 10, all the words of the book must be declared, Matthew 4 4, as Micaiah declared them, Jeremiah 36 verse 13, and as Paul declared them, Acts 20 verse 27. Now even though it's thousands of years old at this point, we still have the same book. It's one book. We tend to divide it up, but it's really indivisible, John 10, verse 35. We often count parts of it, especially the great things of God's law as, as a strange thing, Hosea 8, verse 12 says. And Peter admitted that there are some things hard to be understood in God's book, 2 Peter 3, verse 16. Well, if you could understand everything's in there, you'd be God himself. Nobody can explain everything in that book. Now, encountering those strange things uh, that Hosea talked about, um, and the hard things that Peter talked about, hard things to understand God's Word, sometimes leads to a partiality in, the, in His Word that Malachi 2 verse 9 talks about. That partiality, that is choosing what we want to follow and ignoring the rest, just reveals our ignorance towards God's uh, Holy Word. It's caused by our having little or no understanding or just outright rejecting the knowledge and wisdom that God has made available to us, Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 mentions. John showed the unity of the book when he simply repeated what was already written in the law of God. 1 John 2, 7, he says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is, present tense, uh, the word which you have heard from the beginning. So, yes, sir, it's the same book. It says the same thing throughout. There's really no new thing under the sun. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9 says the whole book, starting with Moses and ending with John, is about one person, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice the phrase, the volume, the volume of the book in uh, Hebrews 10 verse 7, which is quoting Psalm 40 verse 7 from a thousand years earlier. It, the verse says, then said I... Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is, present tense, written to me, Jesus, to do thy will, O God. Jesus included all the prophets in the book, 
Luke 24, verse 27. The prophets include writers throughout the New, the Old Testament as well as those in the New Testament. I mean, who would argue that Paul wasn't a prophet? He gave a lot of prophetic utterances about the rapture and so forth, the coming of Jesus. Uh, other prophets mentioned in the church age, Agabus and Barnabas, Simeon, Silas, John, and others. And Jesus also included the Psalms in the book, Luke 24, verse 44. In coming to do the will of his Father, the Lord Jesus came to magnify God's law and make it honorable according to Isaiah 42, verse 21. Modern Christianity makes God's law dishonorable and completely void. God blesses those who tremble at my word, Isaiah 66, verse 2 says. But those who despise his word, those who won't go by his good laws, he gives them bad laws, Ezekiel 20, verse 24 and 25. Now, that might explain um, some things happening in Washington these days. When we think of how professing Christianity chops up the word of God and relegates most of it to the ash heap, you remember Jehudi in Jeremiah 36? The book of the law is a book of words. Read about those true, good, pure, preserved words, Psalm 12, verses 6 and 7, in Proverbs 22, verses 17 through 21. Paul believed, according to Acts 20, 27, and he preached the whole Bible, Acts 28, verse 23, stating that he believed all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, uh, Acts 24, verse 14. Psalm 111, verses 7 and 8 says, All his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. Now I realize the portion of God's law that got nailed to the cross was the ceremonial law. Colossians 2.14 tells us that. Ephesians 2.15 tells us that. All that pointed to Jesus, the blood of bulls and goats and so on that represented him, uh, those lambs and all that and Passover and everything. But that's all that got nailed to the cross because hanging on that cross was the fulfillment of all those ceremonial laws and ordinances. And the rest of it, the rest of God's law is still in print and still applicable if you want God's full blessing in your life. That means the civil laws, the moral laws, and yes, even the dietary laws are still to be observed uh, today. None of those are ceremonial. Now, just a side note, so you can label me a heretic, the dietary laws are called an abomination 11 times, more times than any other of the 26 abominable things given in Scripture. Abominations do not change with dispensations. What was abominable to God in 1450 B.C. is still abominable to him in 2023 A.D. because he changes not. Malachi 3.6, Hebrews 13.8. Nor is the word abominable applied to any of the ceremonial regulations as far as I can find. Nor does any passage in the New Testament negate those uh, dietary laws. And yes, we're very familiar with Acts 10 and 1 Timothy 4, and Romans 14, and so on. Those passages kept in context, and every word read will clear up any doubts about all this. Exodus 15, verse 26, God said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, uh, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I, God speaking, will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now, yes, I know those words were spoken to Israel, but we're just as much God's people today as they were back then. 
In fact, God calls the church in 1 Peter 2, 9, the same thing he called Ex uh, Israel in Exodus 19, verses 5 and 6. The very same description of us today as what he gave to them back then. Now, Deuteronomy 7.15 says, The Lord will take away from thee all sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, uh, which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. All right, who hates Christians? How about the world? You ever wonder why Christians are so sickly and disease-ridden as the world? All right, here's the opposite of those promises we just read. Deuteronomy 28, verses 58 to 60. If thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God, then the Lord will make thy plagues wonderful and the plagues of the se thy seed, even great plagues and of long continuance and sore sicknesses and of long continuance. Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt, which thou wast afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. Now, just for the record, cancer is an Egyptian disease. It was first diagnosed in Egypt millennia ago. It was given the Greek name cancer, which means crab, because the physicians saw that uh, what they termed to be tentacles branching out from the tumors and reaching into other, other uh, tissue. Modern Christianity is just like ancient Israel, partial in God's law, picking and choosing what they want to follow, ignoring what they don't want to follow, giving some lame excuse as to why it does not apply to them. Let me just give you an example of what I mean in closing this podcast. God's dress code given to Israel is in Deuteronomy 22.5. You say, well, oh, that's, that's to Israel, that's Old Testament. That's very true, but it says cross-dressing is an abomination to God. And to that, I think we would all say amen. But the fact that many of our women folk wear men's apparel, even to church, doesn't bother us, though that same verse condemns that as well. You see what I mean? By picking and choosing how we apply by the way, I think I forgot to give you the verse where the Bible talks about Israel being partial in the law and doing what they want to do. It's Malachi 2.9, and we Christians are about as guilty of that today. Well, enough of my rambling. Praise the Lord, we now have the whole book that was begun by Moses. It was added to through the centuries until it was completed. It's been forever settled in heaven, Psalm 119, verse 89, and now it's settled on earth, complete and perfect in our King James Bible. Now, if you'd like further reading on our wonderful gift from God, the eternal Word of God, the Bible, my book entitled The Inspiration and Preservation of Scripture goes through the history of our, our Bible and tells all, all things about it along the way. Uh, and the information in this podcast is from another of my books called The Schoolmaster, which shows how the Word of God brings us to Christ and deals with uh, all those uh, laws and case laws and so forth and how they apply. You'll find those listed on our website, www.gcbi.org. Click on Bookstore at the top of the page. I hope this has been somewhat of a blessing to you. You need to... Read that book, study that book, love that book, and apply that book in your own life. Be a doer of the word and not a hearer only deceiving yourself. May God bless you. Have a wonderful day.